I'll have one of those days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. What am I doing? And but then the next day I get so excited about an idea that I just want to do it. Welcome to Office Hours by Business Class from American Express. Each episode features innovative entrepreneurs and experts discussing how to navigate today's business challenges. That was Stephanie Izard, an award-winning chef, entrepreneur, author, and owner of the restaurant Girl and the Goat. Her success in the food industry has led to five restaurants opening across the U.S., a host of culinary partnerships, and two best-selling cookbooks. In this Office Hours episode, Izard discusses the early days of her career, business partnerships, and communicating with her team. Izard spoke with author and entrepreneur Sunil Gupta. Please note, the views expressed here belong to the guests interviewed and do not necessarily reflect those of American Express. Hey, Stephanie. Hi, how's it going? Good. Thank you for joining us. And we have people coming in right now. Awesome. Yeah. See lots of hearts floating through the thing, and that's always happy. Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> hey, everybody coming in. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, um, thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode of Office Hours. This is where entrepreneurs and experts come in to answer your questions. I'm your host on this journey. I'm lucky to be so. My name is Sunil Gupta. I'm my a writer and an entrepreneur, and today we are lucky to have an award-winning chef, an author, and an entrepreneur. Uh, she was the first female to win the show Top Chef on Bravo. She's the owner of five restaurants, including one of my all-time favorites, by the way, Girl and the Goat in Chicago. Uh, whenever I could get a reservation, get myself in, just amazing, amazing place. And they just you've just opened up a location in Los Angeles as well. Um, and just so many great things for us to, to talk about. So, Stephanie, thank you. Stephanie Iser, thank you so much for being here with us today. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm actually sitting in um, – yeah, I can't wait for Hamburger Hop either, guys. Um, I'm sitting in L.A. right now. I'm flying back to Chicago um, tomorrow night, late night, to get there for Chicago Gourmet this weekend. So um, my ah. new world is crazy. It goes back and forth a lot, but I get to um, just have even more amazing teams to work with and, you know, figuring out how to balance it all. But um, sitting in L.A. right now, so enjoying the day. How's the new restaurant looking? It's great. Um, I'm sitting in our private dining space, um, which is beautiful. The whole restaurant is very – you can tell that it's girl and the goat. You can tell that it's sort of a sister restaurant. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, Sunshiny has more plants. It's just all lighter wood, whereas Girl and the Goat, we always, is very rustic inside. Um, so, yeah, when you look at them, you're like, it's like the yin and yang. Like, they look like brother and sister or cousins or something, but they're um, just different versions of the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Well, we want to get into, the, you know, what it's like to, to open up, you know, restaurants, um, you know, uh, especially after you've done it one time. How do you do it again and again and again? But uh, first, why don't we go back to the beginning? I mean, I, I'd love to, love to you know, learn sort of how this all started for you. When did you realize that cooking was going to be your calling? Sure. So um, I grew up, I think that chefs had to grow up with a mom who was a really good cook or a mom that was a really bad cook, so they had to fend for themselves. I'm very fortunate that my mom was an amazing cook. So I grew up in the kitchen with her. Um, we used to, on Sundays, my mom and my sister and I would sit there and we would look through all of my mom's like, gourmet magazines. She had everyone from all of time, um, and all of her like hundreds of cookbooks, and just pick out recipes. And we would plan a menu for the week and hang it on the refrigerator so our friends could pick which day they want to come over. I remember my friend Sue would always come over for roast beef and Yorkshire pudding day um, and have like five helpings. Um, but we would have food from all over the world, and it was just truly amazing. And I, 
I ended up going to, I thought I should go into business. You know, I didn't really know being a chef wasn't really the same thing back in the early nineties. I don't think, or people didn't talk about it as much. Um, so I went to university of Michigan thinking I was going to go to business school. Yeah, go blue. Um, thinking I was going to go into business school, uh, had a little too much fun yelling, go blue at football games and things like that instead of really (laughs) paying attention. So, um, but I ended up getting a job at the Olive Garden, um, while I was at school and I was like, Oh my gosh, all these restaurant people are just a little bit crazy. And I feel like I might fit in. And, um, so I loved just the front of the house aspect. And then my dad was like, you've always loved cooking. Why don't you go to culinary school? And so I did. Ah. So I, after I graduated, I went to Scottsdale, Arizona, where my sister was living, went to culinary school. And like, I just, the moment I walked in my first day, I was like, I found my people. Like it just felt right. It finally felt right. Whereas when I went to class in Michigan, I was always like, what are we talking about? Um, so yeah, that's when it got all started. And then I worked at some places there, I moved to Chicago on a whim, opened my first restaurant when I was 27. And I just really haven't stopped doing all sorts of stuff. Well, what was it? What was, can you describe for us what it meant for it to feel right? Like when you walked into that culinary school in Arizona? How did you Yeah, know? I think, you know, everybody that was around me wanted to talk about food. It wasn't a weird thing anymore. I remember growing up, I always watched Yan Ken Cook and Julia Child and stuff, and everybody would be talking about other things. And I was a swimmer too, so I talked about swimming and cooking all the time, and nobody really wanted to talk about the same things. Um, but going into a place where everybody around us wanted to talk about food, and they were all just there to like have fun. And as soon as the chefs started talking, I remember the first day my chef said, for those of you that think you're going to graduate and be a chef, you are sorely mistaken. You're going to graduate and make salads for like $8 an hour. And I was like, awesome. Mm. <laughs> that was the sweetest thing that scared everybody out. <laughs> yeah. That. Everybody else leaves and I'm like, sweet, this sounds great. Just what I signed up for. This is years ago. So $8 an hour is okay. Fantastic. All right. And so, okay. So then, then, then you realize that this is, this is it for you. And, and then, you know, the, there's a difference between sort of like, this is my craft versus I want to, I want to do this as a business. I actually want to become an entrepreneur. What right. was that sort of decision like for you? Um, so I'm a very spur of the moment person. I always do things kind of randomly, but I was, I had um, worked at a number of restaurants. I had worked my way up to being a sous chef. I got hired at this little tiny restaurant called La Tosh. Um, which was in um, the northern part of Chicago. It was yeah. funny, the owner, it was called Latash, meaning the spot, but in French, it actually means like the spot on your shirt, like the smudge. So we were <laughs> joked, we're like, cool, we work at the smudge, awesome. Um, <laughs> totally the wrong translation, but it was a fun little um, French bistro, and I worked with my chef friend, Dale Levitsky, who was also on Top Chef a couple seasons before me. And it was really small, it was just he and I and a couple other cooks, and just a small little bistro, and he let me do all the fish specials. So it was really awesome. He gave me a creative like um, control over doing some of the dishes and really just helping run the kitchen. And there was cool. one week where he was out of town for a few days, left me in charge. Um, and one of the other cooks, he goes, you're really good at this. You should just open your own restaurant. And I was like, oh, okay. So I literally quit my job the next week and I started looking for a space. And I found a friend who was a realtor who helped me find a, a building to buy. And I actually like found this banker who was super nice to walk me through all the steps as a 27 year old woman, like having no idea what was going on. She helped me like learn how to get a loan and buy a building. Um, I had my, a friend who was a builder who came in and built this beautiful bar. And like my, um, boyfriend at the time is like mom and dad came mom, like 
made these curtains and like we very much I pulled in like everybody from around me which I think is so important when you're first getting into business is like mm. have like look at all the people that you have in your life and like find their um you know their pieces that can really help you and like don't be afraid to ask questions so mm. I would call some of my old bosses and be like how do you get coca-cola to come <laughs> or you know how do I set up um things with an accountant how do I do this and that so I just kind of it was crash course in business 101 and i just kind of turned myself into a business woman and um just started running the restaurant i did all of my own um books i had this little filing system for my bills and the, you know it was before anything was done online um it it was cool it was like a very huge learning curve and i had a staff of probably i think 25 people which at the time felt like crazy when you go from not being in charge of a lot of people to being in charge of that many um yeah. it felt incredible um and it was every day was you know you're wearing so many different hats especially when you first start in every restaurant in every business but when you first start your first small business you're doing a little bit of everything i was hosting i was managing i was running a station i was the chef i was doing all of the things um until you figure out how to grow a team and how to delegate and how to really like manage all of the the facets and what was it what was that restaurant this first one it was called silla so s c y l l a um it was on damon and armitage in chicago this cute little building and um it was funny because i picked the name silix it was a mediterranean seafood restaurant and at the time i looked on a website it was called a thousand names it was like names for your pet animal like for your pets <laughs> and it was like under pet fish because i was like seafood restaurant pet fish names <laughs> and um silla came up from the odyssey um and i was like oh a mediterranean sea monster that's a fun name didn't i didn't read the odyssey okay i was saying i was having too much fun in college to read something as long as that um so then i was told later that Silla was actually a really evil sea monster. Um <laughs> and some guests came in from Greece and they're like we kind of use that word Silla like uh I can't swear on this but like B I T you can go see where I'm coming from there. Um that's kind of what the word could mean sometimes so I was like great that's a really great name I chose for my first restaurant and nobody could pronounce it either. So um you know later in life I realized that a word G O A T goat that everybody can say was a much better way to go. <laughs> so wait, I I didn't even come up with the idea of uh, I mean I just think that the process is so fascinating of saying I want to I want to open up a restaurant but then like what's the brand and what's the theme and what's going to make it different from everything else what's what's that process like Right um I mean with Silla it was I was so young and I just didn't really It's funny I actually was just digging through all my old stuff cuz I was moving some of my things around and I found an old menu with my sister had designed Silla like the um the logo and stuff and it was more so I knew that I loved doing seafood and I kind of you know honed in on Mediterranean seafood but I don't think we differentiated ourselves enough like it did really well and it was this cute little restaurant but it didn't have a strong enough brand and I didn't really understand it at that point I don't think um and then later in life I actually didn't even know that my last name was a type of goat until after having Silla um it just came <laughs> out I don't know how it came up like someone looked it up and they were like look goat it's a type of um it's a mountain goat that lives in the Pyrenees mountains Izard if you look up if you look up Izard mountain huh. goat and I was like that's interesting and I was like well that seems like a way better name and then I was decided I was going to do originally I was going to call it the drunken goat that's what girl and the goat was going to be called because in my huh. 20s you know I had a little bit of fun sometimes um and <laughs> I was walking to the gym one day and ran into my friend Quang who um there's actually a painting in this room that he did um and i said to him i'm opening a restaurant called the drunken goat and he's like oh my gosh that's the coolest thing ever and he sent me a painting that is hanging in our underground goat which is um the private dining room underneath girl and the goat right now of a girl and a goat and he's dancing beer cans and stuff um and then he did the goat which is i can't know if you can see on my shirt right now cuz my shirt's blue but our goat like i walk around everybody in our world walks around in like goat t-shirts on all the time and we yeah. really 
without even planning it necessarily, planned uh, this whole business around the branding of this goat that now is on everything we do and all of the restaurants wow. after that, just like it continued and it became this fun thing where we like have goat puns and we dress up the goat for occasions and we all, all the restaurants have goat in the name and it's just um, kind of fell into it. But then once you get excited about it and like realize that you can have such strength in that branding, it's really fun to grow a business around it. Yeah. It's been cool. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I mean, and you were talking about like the early days of, of going from station to station and not quite knowing what you're doing. But what about when, when it comes to actually getting people to join you for that ride? I mean, you know, a new restaurant is a, it's a tough business, as you know. And, and to say, hey, maybe you leave what you're doing right now and come join me. What were those conversations like? Right. I mean, when we first opened Scylla, I feel like at the time, like this, I was 27. So this was 18, almost 18 years ago that we opened. So the world was very different as far as how many restaurants there were in the city of Chicago um, mm. and sort of how many cooks there were. Now it's like so hard to come by any cooks anywhere, even with like having a strong name in the industry. Um, then I was able, like cooks would come in and interview and we were, enough came in to interview that we were able to, you know, have them stage, which is when people try out for working in the kitchen and um, really handpick like the people that we want to join the team. Same with our front of the house team. We found some really amazing people. Um, we would find like a couple that we knew from other restaurants that we had worked with and then people just were coming in. It was sort of, again, a totally different landscape. I feel like if I had tried to open that restaurant now as a, you know, a first time chef, first time owner without, you know, already having like a name in the industry, it would be really difficult to um, get the amazing talent that we were, we got then. But yeah, people have to take a leap of faith and, you know, jump into it. And I think when you're meeting people and interviewing and they see the sort of energy and I feel like I was, I was probably a little shyer then. So I was probably like, Hi, do you want to be on my team? Um, but they, <laughs> you know, you show them the kitchen and you get them excited and you show them the menu and you have to get people um, to take, yeah, a little bit of a leap of faith that they're joining in on a new restaurant with some new owners. Um, how can they trust that it's going to be around for a while and that they're really getting into, you know, they're putting all of their eggs in one basket. I'm terrible at those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but make sure that they're making the right choice too. So it's right. definitely about, you know, you almost have to sell yourself a little bit. And nowadays it's more so, it's hard to get people to come in for interviews. There's not as many people out there. And so you're selling yourself when you're promoting yourself, both through social media and just through people coming into your restaurants. Part of it is making sure that you show that this is a great place to work. So we always focus on, um, I know I'm jumping all over the place here with my answers. No, but, it's good. It's good. Um, we really focus on our team first and know that that trickles down to the experience of the guests. So having, you know, fun experiences for our team, making sure to get to know our teams, um, having a happy group of people that works in your restaurant, like back in the kitchen where you can see them or on the floor, the person, first person you see when you walk in, the managers walk around. If everybody's like smiling and seems energetic and seems excited about work, that trickles down to the guests having a good experience. It's easier to focus mm -hmm. there. And then it spreads through the industry. You know, the restaurant industry, no matter what city you're in, is a small industry. People talk, people know each other. They all hang out in places. So if you have, um, you know, a couple servers that are really loving working there, or a couple cooks, they might tell their friends and then you end up being able to find, um, you know, more talents come and join your world. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all just a very interesting thing, but it's so yeah. important to kind of keep everything, you know, really showcase yourself. You're kind of making sure that you um, provide a great working place for everyone. I love the idea of like investing in the team and, and, and that will trickle through to the customers. And it's, it, that, that, I love that. Are there particular practices that, that you, you put into place that, that you really felt kind of really connected the team? Yeah, I mean, we do all sorts of things. I think some of it is 
we actually have someone on our team in Chicago who part of her job is um, staff appreciation as well as philanthropy. Um, we want to make sure our team sees that we very much care about supporting different organizations. And um, it's great for our guests to be able to see that too and to join in when we give opportunities. Um, so we have uh, for our staff, they're able to join in on different come in and make some sandwiches that we're giving away to this organization today or help us with we did um, Thanksgiving meals last year so helping us put together that so giving them opportunity to give back really sort of strengthens um, us as a team and then also providing fun things for them to do um, outside of work so that everybody kind of you work very hard in the restaurant industry so we need to have a little fun we do like some different we had a big staff run a couple of years ago which i didn't think anybody's gonna come it was a 5k and i was like is everybody gonna want to do this and it was this cold rainy morning and we still had i think like 85 people showed up for this fun 5k that we did um bringing in like the healthy aspect of it too so i don't know we just try to have like all of these things going on to make it feel like you're really part of this world we have uh we just launched the goat gazette it's sort of our um staff newspaper that we yeah. send out um quarterly so that because now we have, we have five restaurants in Chicago and one in LA and we want everybody to know what's going on everywhere and make sure they feel connected and they know that we, so there's not something crazy going on that they've never heard of before or just announced like we just had two of our chefs just got married. So we put that in there. Um, yeah. Just kind of keeping communication going between what opportunities there are, what sort of fun new things are going on and um, really just tying the team together. Communication is so important. I love it. I mean, it sounds like community is a big part of what you're, what you're building over there. When it comes to creativity, uh, being able to sort of chime in on what's happening you know, behind the scenes and how you serve your customers, how do you pull input in from different members of the team? We, you just have to open up lines of communication. And, you know, it's, um, to be honest, it's a little bit harder when you start to have, you know, really big teams, you know, especially for me to be able to have that direct communication. Um, just yesterday, I was in Chicago, I'm all over the place this week. I'm in Chicago yesterday. I'm going back there tomorrow night. Um, it's like, jump around, jump around. I need a, we need a goat jet, you guys. Amex goat yeah. jet. Let's see. Just kidding. Um, but we, I wanted to meet. We had a bunch of new team members that started in Chicago while I was out here opening the restaurant in LA. And I usually am part of the, um, the process and bring on all the servers and managers and stuff so I can meet people before they join. But a few had joined me while I was gone. So I got together with them yesterday. We got some JP Graziano sandwiches because they're delicious. Um, had some sandwiches. We got together and had like a little, it was like a coffee shop type of chat. Like we're chatting. I just wanted to get to know them. Tell me about uh, this one woman. She has a dog that knows how to skateboard and she makes all of these tasty Filipino desserts. I had no idea. Now I know, you know, just uh, connecting with people on um, a personal enough level that now when I go in and I can say, hey, how's it going with that? Oh, I saw that you were reading that book about that. Oh, you know, um, how's your band going? How's this going? So that they feel connected, that they can come and talk to you when they um, feel like, hey, I wish we felt more supported on the floor. I wish we could have um, better wine classes. Um, I had a guest that spoke to me this way. Can you please make sure that doesn't happen again, which we always make sure it's always about our staff first. If any guests like treats our staff in a way that's not appropriate, we make sure to follow up on that right away. So, but it's got to be about communication. You have to make yourself um, really connected with the team so that they feel they can talk to you, whether it's myself or one of our managers. And we always tell our staff, you know, find the manager that you're the most comfortable talking to, but it's mm -hmm. important that all the managers, uh, you know, are accessible. And like that, I, I always, I like left my phone number on the host day and I was like, can you guys, here's my number. Just text me. Like, I have people from the teams all over the restaurants texting me all the time with just little things um, so that wow. they, you know, they always know that they can reach out. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, in the beginning, you were talking about like, just kind of diving in. Like, you, it seems like it really does seem like you took action before you kind of knew what you were doing. 
Um, and and uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> That's just how I roll. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean, tell tell us more about that because I mean, there, there's always sort of this question of you know, we talk to potential entrepreneurs or, or even people who are really early on. There always a question of like, when is the right time to start? How much do I really need to know before I go all in? And how did you I mean, how did you sort of think about that? Yeah, they're never. It's just like having a baby. You know what I mean? And I have one of those too. And I, you know, it's like you can't plan these things. There's never the perfect time. If you wait too long, then maybe your idea might not be, you know, as relevant anymore, or you start to get scared because you dive in too much. I'm not telling everybody to be as crazy as me out there because I want you to come back and be like, you told me just to do it, Stephanie. And then it didn't work out very well. Um, but I've always, always been just to just go ahead and do it person. So um, I, I have a CPG line too, this little goat. We have sauces, spices, crunch, everything crunch. That's like all over the country. I think we're in 1200 stores right now, but hopefully, you know, growing and growing. Um, and we just recently launched like these everything crunches. And I was like trying to figure out, we're trying to find a co-packer for it. And I'm trying to understand the business of how we, why we can't find someone that can make this for us and all of that. And I was like, you know what? The space became available down the street. I was like, let's just get that kitchen and let's just make it ourselves. And we'll get FDA regulation and all this, you know, learned along the way, like what steps we needed to take to be able to do that um, manufacturing ourselves. But I, I just decided, you know, I really want to make this happen and I'm just going to figure it out. I'm going to ask questions. Like you can always kind of figure out the steps along the way. Um, I think that successful entrepreneurs always have that bit of, you know, the risk takers. There's not really any yeah. other way to do it. And it's definitely, you know, it's good to have, if you have partners, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, I do some things on my own in the beginning and then find partners for it. With my restaurants, uh, my first one when I was 27, it was just me. I didn't have business partners. So I probably mm -hmm. took a little bit more risks because it was just me. There wasn't anybody to talk me out of it. Um, mm -hmm. But then when I was getting ready to open Girl and the Goat, um, and I started working with uh, Rob Katz and Kevin Bain, who are my business partners that own Boca Restaurant Group. I remember the first day we went to, we started looking at spaces. We were driving all around Chicago, which neighborhood is right? And we started off in Logan Square. We were looking at a space right on the corner of where the square is, which is, if you're from Chicago, it's like an awesome location or seemingly. I love Logan and Square. Being myself, I would have been like, this is awesome. Let's do it. I love it. You know, and we probably wouldn't be what girl in the goat is now because we it didn't have enough thought put into it it would have been hmm. um you know that neighborhood didn't have the same growth potential that the west loop kind of just went through like the west loop in chicago just went from like in the past 12 years it's not even recognizable how much stuff is there now and my partners right. knew that because they do their due diligence and they also you know look into what's the electric electricity we could have in space and what's the foot traffic going to be here and what's the potential income so it's kind of nice to almost have business partners if you have one have one that you are your yin to your yang one person's a little bit mm. crazy and the other person is like a little bit more um maybe diligent and looks into things you know i have the same thing set up with my with this little goat the cpg company i just promoted someone to be our coo and he analyzes every single thing. I'm like, let's just do this, you guys. Like, let's launch this new product because I think it'll be really awesome. And he's like, well, let's actually look and see what percentage of people buy products like that. Like, how's it going to do in this market? What's our chart? Dives in and gives me all these numbers to be able to look uh -huh. at. So it's nice to balance it out and have someone that kind of like, yeah. you're a little crazy and you can do some great things and like, don't be afraid to take risks. But if you have a person around you that can get you a little more information and maybe like limit those risks a little bit, it's a good thing. Yeah. Well, how do you how do you end up hashing that out then? Because you know you're always going to find somebody who has a, a counterpoint of view, and and how do you how do you sort of ultimately end up making the final decision? I mean, I think you just have to believe in what you want to do. You know, I think um, I've definitely had people around me that you know try to talk me out of things, but at this point, anybody around me knows that I, it's really hard to talk me out of doing anything. <laughs> um, um, but you know that bring 
try to bring reason. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's like, okay, well, I get that that's going to be a risk. You just, you have to like weigh it out a little bit. And I think um, there's no way to get around that. You always have to, there's always going to be those hard decisions. Like, is this going to be the final thing? Um, but I always think about, do I want to, is this something that like a few years from now, if I don't do it, am I going to be, am I going to regret that? Am I going to be so bummed that I didn't give this a chance? And mm -hmm think about sort of what's the worst case scenario. So say, like when I opened Scylla, I was 27 and I thought to myself, all right, worst case, and I put like everything I had into it. Uh, worst case scenario, this closes, I'm completely broke. I know my parents will let me come live with them. <laughs> you know, so I like, I had that worst case scenario in my mind. Like I was very fortunate that I know that my parents would let me come back and live with them if it didn't work out. So look at what the worst case scenario would be so that if something it does happen you know how much are you really investing are you risking everything or are you making sure that you're going to be okay if something doesn't work out i think that's a good way to approach it and that way you can dive in and be a little crazy about it but like worst yeah. case scenario everything's going to be okay wondering how other business leaders are navigating through the current environment get your questions answered by joining office hours our live q a program where we talk with influential entrepreneurs and business experts about their experiences Visit amex.co forward slash office hours for more information, including the upcoming schedule. Stephanie, I think for people who are watching right now, I think a lot of people who maybe want to follow in your footsteps, maybe in the restaurant industry or otherwise, just as an entrepreneur, might be thinking to themselves, like, Stephanie has a lot of drive because you clearly do. And you mentioned before that that's such a key element of being, you know, an entrepreneur. Do you think that that could be learned? Um... I think it's probably something I, I always look back at my childhood. I was a, a competitive swimmer. Um, so I used to go to swim practice at 445 in the morning and again at three after school. And I like, sweat. you know, I've always been this kind of doing so much stuff, but I was like super, super competitive. Um, I call it my like Olympic champion, champion mentality. Then make it to the Olympics. I wasn't that good of a swimmer. I'm too short. Um, but I always wanted to push myself to be the best. And I think it was because I did sports growing up. Um, that kind of gave me that drive. I don't know if it's something I was born with or if it's something that from being so competitive growing up and doing these competitive sports made me want to apply that to my life and always kind of push myself. Um, so I think that some of it is just a natural thing, but I'm sure, you know, anyone out there that has an idea of something that they want to pursue, you can definitely learn how to, you know, maybe take a little bit of risk or look at what some other people are doing and, and think, you know what, they were able to do that. Like, why can't I, let me dive in a little bit further and like ask them questions. Like it's so important. Um, I can't stress enough, like to just ask questions of people around you and not be embarrassed about it. I think that when I was opening still, I remember calling um, this woman, Sue and her husband, Peter, who had owned Spring Restaurant. And yeah, I felt a little bit silly calling and asking them some of the questions that I did, but like everybody's happy to share. I think anybody that has, um, opened a restaurant or started a business or done anything, they're happy to like take a few minutes and talk to you. I've had a lot of Zoom calls with people from other CPG companies where I say, hey, can you just tell me about how did you go from here to here with your marketing? You know, like huh. um, people from our X bar or like companies that um, have started smaller and you see them and you want to know how did they get that way? Just ask if you can talk to them. And a lot of times people are really happy to take a call. I think when you've done some really cool things, you're so proud of what you've done that you're happy to share it with others. You know, if somebody's mm -hmm. watching this and really wants to like get some info, like send me a note. I'm happy to, you know, share sort of any insight that I have because I think it's great to see other people kind of take those leaps and kind of, um, you know, challenge themselves to bring their ideas to life. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we got some, we got some questions and I mentioned powering in, so I'm gonna kind of jump to some of these. So. One question is, what's tougher, making a new product or marketing it? Um, I think probably marketing it. So I actually was just um, 
we're looking at putting some bundles on our website, you know, for the holidays or just for whatever, some gifting. I love giving a gift that has a theme to it, you know, instead of just one thing. So I have some other chef friends that have their own sauces and stuff that they've launched. So I'm trying to bundle them so people can buy that whole thing. Um, and I was texting with one of them yesterday and he was like, yeah, I'll totally do it. He's like, I really need help with the marketing. And he has this amazing product, but how do you get it um, into the store and get everybody to know about it? It's like you, I was talking to um, a few people from different companies and I remember there's this one brand that they um, they started off in fitness. So they the guys that started it like were into like CrossFit or just like Ooh, yeah you know. And it, it was like this healthy food product that they had launched. And they said you know the low hanging fruit was like let's get everybody in this world to love our product, and then we can start to spread beyond that. And yeah. when I had that conversation, I thought to myself, I kind of I kind of missed the boat on that. It's like for me, my like. You know, I do go to the gym a lot, but I don't think that they necessarily want to buy this logo product. Who knows? Um, maybe they do. Um, but my like world like that is people that go to food festivals and people that are like um, fans of Top Chef or Iron Chef or like things that I have done or that like are in my little like foodie world. And then we have to grow beyond that. And so we kind of dial back now, like focusing our marketing on like the people that are really like right in front of my face. Or we have, you know, um, if you add up who eats it all, the girl to go. Duck, duck, goat, little goat, Cabo restaurants. And daily, we serve like 2,000 people. So how do we get those people just to know about our product? Um, so it's kind of like looking at your, whatever it is, whether it's a restaurant you're launching, look at your niche little group first. And then once you've built that, then you start to build beyond that, I think is really the way to do it. Um, but there's, I mean, there's so many opportunities out there and it's just understanding. I was just watching a video the other day about how to use TikTok. You know, like, because, um, that, you know, I, Instagram lives are great like this and like using Instagram, using reels. It's like hard to keep up with all these different forms of marketing these days. And I'm so, I'm so old school. I love getting a mailer, right? And I was like, you guys, we just should do a mailer. They're like, Stephanie, it's really just a waste of money. And they're probably right. I'm just old and I really love to get a catalog. I have like, new I like mailers. I bought because of a catalog. They're great. I like, I totally have things. I like look around my house. I'm like, I bought this because I got a catalog and it totally convinced me to buy it. Um, but I don't think that that actually is like the way to reach. It probably is just me and a, a smaller amount of people. Whereas there's so many ways to target market through social media and other things. Like you can have something sent to someone's phone just because they walked near your business one day and it's kind of creepy, but it's crazy that you can do that. So it's kind of um, the marketing world has changed so much that I think that's what makes it so challenging. And there's so many different opportunities out there. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like you have to make a great product and then think to yourself before you launch it, how are you going to market it? Like, how are you going to get like beyond your like, you know, five friends to like know about this before you kind of like produce too much of it? Right, right. Well, you know, um, people are asking about the time we're in, obviously, um, and challenging. And some people were saying um, on the comments that, look, they were thinking about opening a, re a restaurant right now, but they're not quite sure. So you opened up a new location this year, right during the pandemic. What advice would you give to a new <laughs> restaurant owner or, or maybe a first time restaurant owner about getting into the industry today? Um, it's tricky. You know, we had this restaurant was in the works for quite some time before the pandemic. So we started working on this like three or four years ago. I don't know if, um, you know, right when we opened um, this summer, I probably wouldn't have just decided to find a space and try to launch a restaurant, just knowing what's going on in the restaurant industry right now. Um, we were really fortunate that when we happened, we had already done so much work on it. And when we were ready to press go, it was right when the world started to open up again. And so people were so excited to go out and it, and it the timing kind of worked well for us. Not to say there's any silver linings of what's happened to all of us over the last year and a half, but that was, you know, a good thing. The timing was really well good for us. Um, 
but jumping in and just kind of deciding to open a new business during all of this, it's really kind of understanding like what, what has changed about the consumers and what's changed about the restaurant industry. I think the, res the restaurant industry right now is going through a period where like it's, it's rebirthing and reopening, but like there's a little bit less people working in it right now. And so it makes it even, you know, that, that bigger challenge of just staffing up and getting a big enough team. So um, it kind of depends. I think it's like so dependent upon what city you're in and what's happening in that city. And are there some mm -hmm. restaurants that unfortunately might've closed and you can, um, you know, and maybe there might be some spaces available and like by the time you get ready to open it, maybe we'll be in a better place with, um, with there being enough team members out there. But um, yeah, there's a lot of things to weigh. And I know it's probably my like level of just do things crazy. It, it now is time to like, you know, give a little bit more thought to things and see what really makes sense. Oh, I think that kind of leads well into the next question. People are asking about sort of when negative thoughts do pop up inside your head. I mean, they, they always will, pandemic or not. You know, how do you how do you sort of think through that as a business owner? Yeah, how do you how, you know, mindset wise, what are some things you've learned about you know, really how to how to how to stay how to stay focused, how to stay present? Uh, it's hard. You know, I actually was just flying back from. Um, Chicago last night and thinking to myself, okay, I had these awesome meetings with these new team members. I felt really, like I really connected there, but I didn't have time to go to DuckDuckGoat yesterday. I didn't have time to do this. And I, um, I actually was like crying on the airplane yesterday. I was like, I feel like I'm disappointing everyone. Um, mm -hmm. And I had to take a minute to sort of step back and think, okay, this is something that I started doing um, a few years back was like, when I started opening too many restaurants, I have like all these different team members. It's like, if I can have like a little bit of impact on each business every day or have like these few, have a few good things that I know I walk away from each day where I've done, where I feel like I've done something useful or done something impactful or had like a great um, conversation with someone that works there, you know, something good that I can like take away from each day, a positive for each place. Um, then I feel like the day was successful. Um, so I, I just try to do that. I really like look at, reflect on my day and say like, okay, did I tackle everything? No. And if you are, I wish that I was one of those people that writes down notes in a notebook, but I honestly lose the notebook. Um, I lose everything. So I can't do that. It's just all up here, which is terrible. I'm not telling you guys to do that. Notebooks are great, you guys. <laughs> checking off things off your list is a good thing. Um, but if your list is too long and you challenge yourself to get that whole list done and you don't, and then you're like upset about it, then that's not, that's not a positive. It's being right. realistic about the expectations of like what you can really give. And I saw someone write in something about work-life balance. It's like, what can you really give? How can you still like have your, you know, work-life balance while you're trying to give all of that to your business? And what makes you feel good about the day? Like one tiny little great thing a day, like it makes a huge impact. Like that should be something you should be excited about. Just having, um, you know, bringing on a new team member or talking with your staff and finding a better way to run service, you know, on run your wine service or whatever it is like a tiny little thing actually makes a really big impact and you should feel good about those things each day and then just you know not in a procrastinating way which i can be a procrastinator too but um make sure that your list is sort of priorities and then things that you can kind of work on next you know and mm. just kind of keep yourself going that way mm. so when you say list of priorities you mean list of priorities each day or just list of priorities overall these are the things that matter I think most to me right now yeah you know it's interesting i um we started doing something in Boca Restaurant Group a while back, and uh, it was sort of a, a 30 day, 60 day, 90 day way to look at like our P&Ls or to look at our business. So you look at the 30 days and you're like, okay, um, next month, right now, next month it's October. 
right? Okay, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> October and at Little Goat in Chicago, we're looking at launching a bunch of um, harvest events. If you're in Chicago, keep an eye out. But we're looking at launching a bunch of cool. events. So we talk about in 30 days, we need to make sure that um, by this date, we get those all. Mm-hmm. By tomorrow, we need to get them all up on the service that we promote our tickets on. By the next day, we need to do this. And we kind of make a plan for 30 days. In 60 days, we're coming up to Thanksgiving, you know? So how do we look at the goals of things we need to do before then? And what are our, like, target dates that we have to have everything done by? And then, like, 90 days, what do we have to do? Like, what are we going to do for the rest of the year? Like, what day do we have to launch our New Year's plans and all that? So look at it in little sort of time periods like that so you can set goals. And I think um, we're also just having a marketing meeting uh, yesterday when I was in Chicago with our this little goat team and um, talking about our different promotions for holidays this year and um, goes on any tradition, really you know, for goat. Anyways, um, so for Thanksgiving, we have this whole goes on any tradition campaign that we're going to be launching. And yeah. we have to write down like exact, sort of like those dates, those hard dates of when you have to do things by so that you, it feels overwhelming if you're like, oh, I have to reach out to these influencers and do this and that, all this, blah, blah, blah. And it can be overwhelming. But if you just have sort of dates in mind of sort of when you have to have things done by, um, I think it makes it feel a little less overwhelming. Um, and just in general, I just think about this this morning and just thinking about, Scylla, like, you know, 20 years ago, almost, let's just say, I'm, and then now, and what's so different about me as a yeah. business owner is like, I learned how to delegate and mm. to trust people, trust people around you. You have to like have people around you that you trust. Um, it's funny because I was just saying to my staff yesterday or on Monday, we were cooking on, um, we were cooking on a barge for American Express, actually. Um, we mm. cooked for like 19 hours. It was really awesome. Um, and I, there was something that went wrong and I go, trust no one. That's our motto. Trust no one. And it's kind of like I have that as a joking motto, just meaning like you got to check on things. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I trust my managers, you know, and I trust my staff that they are putting everything into it in Chicago when I'm not there. And you have to trust people. Otherwise, you're going to go crazy and you have to learn how to delegate. Otherwise, you're going to go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Did that trust come immediately or did you feel like you had? I mean, how do they how does someone earn your trust? Um, I mean, I'm really fortunate that I have some members of my team that I've been working with forever. I, um, there's this gentleman, Jan, who uh, helps run the back of the house in Chicago when I'm not there. And he's we've been working together for 25 years. Um, and there's people that have been working at the goat restaurants for like 10 years. Um, so time, you know, it takes. But um, we just hired a new woman here out in um, Los Angeles. Her name is Sindra, and she's our new director of operations for this part of the world. And um, it was like having conversations and having her tell me more about how she'd handle certain situations. And then also just seeing her first few days in action and how she was interacting with the team and how she, you know, after our first sort of, Hey, can you work on this? You see how people react to it and how do they handle it in a way that you would, do they seem like minded and you start to like build that trust. And I already feel very like connected and trusting of that relationship. So it's just, you know, trying to get to know someone and watching how they do things and seeing, giving them some tests and seeing do they handle it in a way that you would want. And then you just start to build that. You you were talking about the 30, 60, 90 day plans. Do you, do you, do you ever look way, way beyond that? I mean, your world today looks so different than it did when you started your first restaurant. Did you ever yeah. imagine, Hey, I'm going to be opening up multiple restaurants. I'm going to have a product line. Did that occur to you? Yeah, no, not at all. And I, you know, I joke when people do those interviews and they're like, what's your five-year plan? And I'm like, I, I mean, I don't know the answer to my five-year plan. So I'm going to ask somebody what their five-year plan is. Um, I have no idea. I don't even know. You know, I have, I know there's something else. We have like two more projects coming up. Um, and I know those are coming up and it's funny. I was just having a meeting. I was like, I should start pretending like this is really happening because we have some things to do. But, um, so I know about those and I know that, but other than that, I, 
I cannot look beyond like the end of this year, to be honest, because my life just changes. So, you know, we just suddenly, I think because I think so quickly and like changed mine so fast and something that we probably all learned in the past like year and a half is that pivoting is like so important. Who knows mm -hmm. what the world, you know what I mean? Like my mask is sitting next to me on my chair because I'm going to put it back on after this conversation and go back to that weird world we're still living in. Um, we like pivoted last year. We just decided, I like opened a bakery in the middle of the pandemic. We opened Sugar Go because I was, I had started doing more pastries because our pastry chef didn't come back because of the pandemic. And so then I was like, this is so fun. I'm going to open a bakery, Sugar Goat. Um, and now, now it's changed to this whole brand. So it's like, I know I'm crazy. I told you I'm crazy. Um, so wait, so your pastry chef didn't come back. And so you, you decided to open a pastry <laughs> restaurant? <laughs> it sounds counterintuitive. I just started, I connected back with my pastry chef self and started doing more stuff and then working with faith our now cdc of sugar goat and just decided we had so much fun i was like let's just open a bakery and it's been really fun and the branding on it's so great sugar goat it's super fun um but i think um knowing that like there are always gonna have to be pivots and it's really hard to just like super plan i think sometimes to me if you're too much of a planner if things go a little bit off course then that really can throw you for a loop whereas if you just know that like to me like life work life and life in general is just this weird roller coaster ride and like i you know, you just have no idea what's going to happen. So just, you know, go along for the ride. And like, you can kind of see around the corner a little bit and try to plan a little bit. But um, if you get too thrown off by things not always going exactly as you planned, I think that can be, you know, detrimental. Mm. I mean, I, I, I love the idea of sort of rolling with it. I think so, much, so many of us want to do that. How do you take your, how do you take care of yourself throughout all of that, but particularly when the coaster goes down? Um, I mean, honestly, I, my only, a lot of people are like, you should really, you know, um, <laughs> need a little more Zen time or go to the spot, you know, like, um, sit there and meditate. I'm like, I cannot meditate. If I sit there and try to meditate, I'm just thinking about all the things I should be doing. Um, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> true, I go to the gym every single morning and that's my meditation. And it's my time to like, not really think about work, but just like take care of myself physically, which I think helps take care of yourself, um, mentally. And I think, um, that's kind of what just keeps me going, like has the energy to get through all of this craziness and also, um, that's my meditation. So whatever, whatever your meditation is, if you like to do yoga, if you are not into any of that, like going for a walk or just taking time quiet for yourself to be able to just kind of like let go for a little bit, you kind of need that every day, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about, what about other people? Are there mentors you have in your life that, that really supports you through all this? Um, you know, I've always just had like, I've never had one direct mentor and, um, it's more so just people around me that I'm able to talk to. And I think, the tricky bit is once you're like the boss person, like who do you, you know, who, who do you talk to about things? You're the yeah. one who people come and talk to. Um, but I have a couple people in our company that um, are, you know, directors and people like that, that I feel like I can go to and actually, you know, talk to about what's going on have real conversations and kind of use them as, um, it's like mentors slash sort of my therapy, you know, <laughs> or honestly doing things like this, like talking to you today or different interviews that I do. I always walk away from those feeling like they're very therapeutic because it gives me a minute yeah. to kind of, talk about everything that's going on in my world and like, you know, feel really proud of all of the crazy stuff that's going on and maybe a little self-reflecting and just, and also like helps me think about like goals and all of that sort of stuff. So it's really helpful. Well, I, I would love to, I would love to do it again at, at Girl and the Goat. Um, yes. Restaurants. Well, you know, how, you know, let's, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the menu uh, at the LA location. What are you most excited about? Oh, it's been, you know, super fun. And everybody of course talks about the produce out in Los Angeles, but I will say that like, we, um, one of my managers, I miss you too, Katie. I'll see you soon. Um, <laughs> one, <laughs> we have great produce back in Chicago too. And so I, you know, I'm not going to diss on that in any way, like especially in the summer. And it's awesome. We have like such great relationships with our farmers in Chicago and they bring us the produce. And here you got to go to the farmer's market. It's like this whole other thing. Um, 
except the plums. The plums this year are amazing. And I'm like, I love good, hard, tart plums. But um, so here the menu, it's been um, uh, some new things, some new things and some sort of always been on the menu things. So we have the green beans from Girl and Go, but people come here and they're like, where's the pig face? And I'm like, well, we don't have the pig face because in Chicago, we have Slagle Farm that we work with who has like 100 extra pig's heads a week that we take and we turn into the pig's face. We don't have a farmer with a bunch of extra pig heads around here that we've met. And so we don't have that on the menu. So it's interesting. It's about, we're still getting to know the city here. And we're honestly still trying to find our goat farmer. Like we actually found one. It's like 500 miles north of here. We need to like get up there and go meet him and like talk about having that connection like we do with our farm in Chicago. So we're still using actually farmed goat meat from Chicago. Um, yeah. So it's, it's tricky. It's sort of like we have to still dive in and get to know all of that. But menu-wise, I think it's sort of the, again, it's like Girl and the Goat, but it's sort of, um, has some like other things that are a little bit lighter and sunshinier. And, um, but when I put on things here that I love, um, I'm trying to like, if I'm in Chicago, we make the changes when I'm there. But if it's something I'm so, I'm like, you guys have to put this on the menu like tomorrow. Here's a video. And we like, we do this, what we're doing right now. But like, I'm like cooking and I'm like, and then do this and then taste it. It tastes like this. And then do this and do this and um, send recipes and stuff. And then I get back to Chicago and taste it. I'm like, oh, you did it. Cool. So oh, wow. it's been using like these new, you know, forms of technology of communicating via video that like I never really used as much as I do in the past year and a half, like cooking classes and all this stuff yeah. and using that to help kind of manage what's going on in the kitchens and like help with like new menu creation and stuff. And um, yeah, it's been really cool. And how do you get inspired? I mean, how, what, how do you, how do you, do you just wake up some, certain days and say, you know, what if we did this? Yeah, it depends. I, it does happen that way sometimes. Um, I just was thinking when I got into work today, I was like, all right, well, it's LA, but it's still fall. It's getting to be fall. You know, it's still like 85 degrees here and 90 degrees yesterday, but we still have to start putting people like, what's your fall menu? I'm like, it's like so hot outside. Um, but thinking, all right, well, how am I going to approach this? And like, what is inspiring me? I need to go to the farmer's market. I need to like walk around and see um, what is available. I know I went to the market near my house. I'm living up in South Pasadena when I'm here and they have, um, like just different things that I'm not used to seeing at a farmer's market. And I was like, I need to go and sort of see what fruits like that, that grow here that we're not used to seeing at the farmer's market in Chicago, like pomegranates, you know, I was like, Oh, look, I never seen those. They're just in the grocery store. Um, so just seeing like what's in season. And that kind of helps me think about maybe something I've been, you know, girl and the goods been open for 11 years. So we have like an arsenal of like sauces and things we've made. And I, I was just in, uh, Chicago and I was sitting with Ron and Eric my like two guys that head up girl and go to Chicago now and we were talking we're all like remember that dish and we like try to remember it exactly and I was like you guys we really need to take pictures and have like a better we really need to keep track of these things better um I'm just like you know I don't have my notebook and I don't have pictures of everything we ever made and so then we start digging through the computer and looking and trying to figure out what everything was but um, yeah, there's so many things to like kind of pull out and I'll just suddenly like, remember, I'm like, oh my gosh, we made that really cool sauce. But now it'd be cool to use with these things I found at the farmer's market. Or what if I, I look into inspiration from all over the world too. And if you've come into the restaurants, like we're always trying to celebrate flavors from all over the world. Um, so maybe I'm thinking about that. I wish I was traveling to a place right now. And what are some flavors that you might see in that part of the world? And what, you know, that's not on our menu right now. So I'll, you know, kind of from things like that. Yeah. Well, you know, as we, as we wrap up here, um, are there uh, other plans? I mean, I almost, I almost hate to ask this because it seems like you have your plate full and I don't want to encourage you to do more at this exact moment, <laughs> but are there, are there things that you have in mind right now that, that are, that are next for you? Yeah, we do. I'll be announcing, um, one more opening here in Los Angeles that's happening before the end of the year. Um, I know it sounds absolutely crazy. And then we have another opening, um, of a brand expansion in the Chicagoland area happening next spring wow. too. So, um, yeah, 
two and a half works, <laughs> as always. Um, and then meanwhile, I have, with this little go, we're looking at brand extension too, and we have a couple new products that we're going to be bringing to market. Um, so yeah, there's, it's like every day there's like new things coming on. And I, I'll have one of those days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. What am I doing? And, but then the next day I get so excited about an idea that I just want to do it. Um, yeah. And then in 10 years, I'm just going to retire and lay on a beach. So if anybody wants to come. Oh, wow. Well, you probably open up a restaurant there too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to travel the world with my now five-year-old who will be like in high school. I was like, maybe we can just school him while walking around Europe. Um, but I'll be learning about history at the same time with him. So we'll see how That's it goes. Amazing. That's amazing. Well, Stephanie, I always close with this question. How, how do you want people to remember your story? Um, that's hard. You know, I, um, I think about sometimes when I, this is, it's like a two-sided thing because when I think about my like life story and how do I want to be remembered and I remember, there was one day I was, when I think about how I want to remember it, um, I want to have the experiences of all these amazing things that I do at work, but I don't want to miss out on life as well. I don't want to miss out on my son Ernie and things like that. So it's like hard to look at how do you like put all of that together. Um, but you know, when people look at me as a chef and look at the things that I've done, um, I want them to just think it was, you know, that it was fun, that it was um, adventurous, that they, they can remember their experience there and that they just, maybe they don't remember every bite they took or like their server's name or um, the exact details, but they just remember that they had this like feeling that kind of impacted them and that they, you know, felt comfortable and excited and happy when they left. So I hope that that's just with everything I do, whether I'm doing a cooking demo or like, when someone buys a sauce and drizzle on something at home, like they just like, it like adds some sort of joy to their life. All right, Stephanie. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insights. And thank you everybody for joining us for another episode of office hours. We'll be back here next Wednesday. And in the meantime, you can go to americanexpress.com forward slash business class to get more insights. And we'll see you next week. Thank you again, Stephanie. Thank you. Bye guys. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening to Office Hours. You can find other can't-miss conversations and a ton of useful resources for business owners at every stage at amex.co forward slash business class. Looking for new ways to keep up with the latest business trends and insights? Business Class from American Express is an educational resource to help today's business leaders adapt to the current economic environment. To view compelling stories, timely tips, and inspiring insights from industry experts, leaders, and street-savvy entrepreneurs, visit amex.co forward slash business class.